Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. For as long as I can remember, the church has been a huge part of my life. My faith in God is something that has always been a part of me, but its strength has varied at different times in my life. Growing up, and, and even recently, I, I often have heard, if you're fearful, well, then you don't have enough faith. And as I heard that statement again, I began to wonder, is that true? Is there a time that my faith has been so large that fear was absent? I don't think so. I don't think fear ever goes away, but I do think we can shrink it. To have courage, or courage is not the absence of fear, because you can be courageous even in the midst of fear. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from there to here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is the type of faith that the Bible teaches. It's not about the amount of faith that you have, because the tiniest amount of faith can move a mountain. So it's not about how big your faith is. So then why is our faith not pushing us past our fears? Well, let's pick up the story that we first started looking at a couple of weeks ago in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 6, where we were first introduced to Gideon. And last time we met, we, we talked about that Gideon had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And uh, I, I would think that would give you a lot of courage to go out and do what God's called you to do. You've just met with the angel of the Lord face to face. You would think, man, there's nothing stopping you now. And the first thing that God tells Gideon to do, ask him to do, is go and destroy all the altars of Baal and the Asherah poles. And he starts with his father's first, his own family's um, altar to Baal. So he's had an encounter with God. You would think he would just boldly walk through the city tearing those down because God had told him. But then I came to verse 27 of chapter 6, and it says, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. Great! But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. I'm like, how could you be afraid, Gideon? Like, you've, you've just met with God face to face. And yet we're told he's afraid. Now, earlier, we're told that Gideon was called this mighty man. And yet, when we first introduce him, he's hiding from the enemies. In fact, he goes on to say, you know, God, I, I, you can't use me. Like, I, I'm just from a small tribe. I'm from a small clan. I'm so insignificant. I remember Moses said the same thing. He says, you got the wrong man. Jeremiah says, I'm just a baby. I can't do what you've asked me to do. Solomon says, I'm not smart enough to do the job. Lord, I think you've chosen the wrong person. I don't know. Have you ever felt that way? 
You know, God is tapping you on your shoulder, inviting you to do something, and you're like, oh, no, you got the wrong person uh, to take on this task. So I think to myself, why would they call Gideon this mighty warrior when we, it just seems like over and over again we find him to be a fearful person? Well, the reason, as I look back, was reading this chapter again, the reason he's called the mighty man of valor, valor is because he has the presence of the Lord. God says, I am going to be with you. So the power, it's not that he's the mighty man, but because of the, the presence of the Lord in his life, that's where this man can become a mighty warrior. You know, I, I've given my life to God, but I still have fears. Just because I, I have faith doesn't mean my fear has vanished. There is a balance between the two. And I, and I believe this issue comes down to which one am I going to fuel? My fear or my faith? Best-selling author, a speaker, preacher, Max Lucado once said, feed your fears and your faith will starve. Feed your faith and your fears will. Have you ever found yourself in a conversation where you have said to someone, just trust Jesus. You, you can trust him. You know, maybe you have said that to someone who is struggling and you say, you can, you can trust Jesus. You know, sometimes you feel like you're trying to trust Jesus, but the circumstances are so overwhelming, you're finding it really difficult to trust him. I mean, how do I not let the fear run wild when I have no job? You know, when I hear the doctor give me a really bad report on my health, how do I not let fear run wild? How do I not let fear come into my life when my spouse just walks out on me and leaves me with three small children? How do I trust God when my life is falling apart? I think we would all agree that it's easier to tell someone to trust in God than to trust God for ourselves. Now, it's easy to tell someone who has lost their job, you can trust God when we have a paycheck that we know is going to be deposited in our account on Friday. When everything that you thought was stable is now unstable, how do you practically trust God? How do you trust God when your marriage is so fragile? How do you trust God when, you're, when your children are rebellion and rebellion? How do you trust God when your retirement investments have been cut in half because of the economy? How do you trust God when life doesn't turn out the way that you had planned? Let's go back to the story with Gideon. In fact, let's pick it up in chapter 7. Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring Herod. Uh, the camp Midian was north of them in, in the valley near the hill of uh, Moray. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men to deliver Midian into the hands in order that the Israelites may, may not boast against me that her may boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may 
turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left with 10,000 remain. So what Gideon has done, he's, he's, he's sounded the trumpet, he's called the tribes together. 32,000 men are ready to go to battle. They look out and they see the enemy. There's so many, they can't even number them all. And, and the first thing that God tells Gideon to do, tell the men, if you're afraid, go home. And 22,000 men go home. I'm actually surprised Gideon is not one of them. I'm actually surprised Gideon doesn't say, well, I'm part of the 22,000. I'm leaving because I'm nervous myself. I'm fearful. And so God says to Gideon, you still got too many men. Lord, there's all, there, <laughs> Lord, look at my situation. There's only 10,000 of us. Look at the enemy. There, there's no way. I mean, God, what do you expect of me when the odds are against me like this? And God says to Gideon, uh, we're going to do another test. He says, go down by the river, and all the men who get on their knee and lap the water up with their hand and drink out of their hand, separate them from those who just get down on their hands and knees and drink uh, water from the river right directly from their mouth. So in my mind, when I first read that, I'm thinking, okay, the people that get down on their knees and, and, and scoop the water with their hand, they're like soldiers. They're like looking around, right? They're prepared for battle. I'm thinking the person who just gets down on their hands and knees and on their belly drinking the water from the river, okay, those are the people you certainly don't want. And yet God says, okay, Gideon, separate. And there's only 300 people who lap the water like dogs. And over 9,000 that are drinking like a soldier would drink. And God sends those home and leaves Gideon with 300 men. We're like, this, this is the craziest thing I've, I've ever heard. God, what are you doing? It's, this is crazy stuff. And then God says, now Gideon, you're, you're ready actually to go to battle. Now you would think Gideon's had an encounter with God face to face. The angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. He says, God is going to be with you. And the first thing that he's asked to do, he's afraid to do it. And so he does it at night. This, this is part of Gideon. He, he's a fearful man. And now God said, I'm, I want you to go, and we're going to go to battle against the enemy. The enemy is so powerful. There's so many of them. And then God just whittles it down so you can imagine how fearful Gideon is now. Like You would almost just think, well, we're going to be slaughtered. And then God says, hey, Take a trumpet and a lantern. And you're like, really? Am I even, am I hearing you right, God? And so the story is, many of us know it, they kind of surrounded the camp. They're down in the valley of Jezreel. Uh, you've heard of that in the Bible before. It's like the, it's where the, the battle of Armageddon is going to happen. Uh, the valley of Megiddo. And, and the enemy is down there. And it, we find out that actually... Gideon is afraid again. And, and I would be too, by the way. And I'm sure you would be too. Like, 
you can just feel your anxiety rising inside of you. And so God says to Gideon, take somebody with you and go down and as a spy and just listen to the conversation that's happening in the camp. Okay. So verse 13, we'll pick it up in chapter 7. It says, Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He says, I had a dream. Now remember, these are the Amalekites, the Midianites. They're talking down at night at the camp. And, and Gideon and one of his servants are listening. They don't know he's there. And he says, I had a dream. He says, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, well, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, uh, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God, returned to the camp of Israel, and cried out, get up. <laughs> We're going to go to battle. I, I found that amazing. Even the enemy was starting to talk. They're going to win. It's Gideon and his men who are going to come down and take over and destroy us. It was just another reminder how, you know, here's Gideon. It just seems throughout his entire life, there's just moments fear creeps in. Even though he has faith in God, he's seen God do some amazing things in his life. Once again, you know, the circumstances seem so overwhelming. And there's God again just reminding him. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. You know, faith can be a struggle for people at certain times in their lives. It's also harder than simply just telling someone to, to trust God and, and to forget all about their fears. I think sometimes when we direct people to think and behave in that manner, I feel like sometimes we're setting them up for failure. Because if a person can't seem to get rid of the fear in their life, they, they begin to think, man, they're, they're also a failure uh, to God. And we don't allow people to, to deal with life's reality while trusting God through some of the overwhelming circumstances. I mean, you just think about the disciples in the Bible. They witnessed Jesus perform some pretty unbelievable, incredible miracles. The healing of the blind, the healing of the lame, the healing of the sick, turning water into wine, walking on the water. You would think that the disciples would never have another doubt again or question their faith because they had seen the miracles of God firsthand. But time and time again, when they are pressed, their faith would waver. And Jesus never belittled them. He simply continued to reach out and show them the power of God. He was patient, he was forgiving, and he was non-judgmental. Yet often, when our faith wavers, we beat up ourselves. Or maybe some other Christian will do that for us. Faith isn't a now or never choice. It is continually growing in the face of challenges and doubts. For Gideon, his fear and his faith collided. Ultimately, faith won. But it wasn't because fear had totally disappeared. I feel like 
I get it at times. Like, I, Lord, I, I'm a nobody. I can't do this. Like Gideon, you'd just be better off to choose someone else. I think it sounds like some of maybe the responses that we get. Like, Lord, are you sure you can use me in that discipleship program? Lord, are you sure, like, you want me to work with, like, teenagers? Like, you know my past, right? Lord, what do you mean you want me to join um, the worship team. Have you forgotten, God, my biggest fears in life? You know, sometimes we remind God like he has forgotten something. And I'm convinced more and more, if we want to have lasting impact, significance, um, influence and impact on this world, it will be absolutely impossible if we just stay safe and comfortable and avoid risk where fear could be added to the risk. I mean, it doesn't make sense. You can get to, to know his name. You can get to know his character. God, you are David comes up with all kinds of things about who God is. For us, maybe we just need to begin to make a list. God, you are, and, and fill in the blank. Because when you begin to know his name, you begin to, to trust him. God, you, you are my refuge. God, you, like, you're my stronghold. What about Psalm 22? Psalm 22, verse uh, 19. It says, But you, O Lord, be not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. God, you are my strength. Paul says, when our strength is weak, then his strength is actually made perfect. Every time you have a weakness, you get to experience God's strength in your life. And I understand, some of you who are, are listening this morning, you're hurting, you're overwhelming, it feels overwhelmed, that there's too much going on in your life, and you wonder, I don't know if I can make it another day. And then God, you have this weakness, so give God your weakness, give God your fear, and when you give God your weakness... God gives you his strength. And God is, is always faithful. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth. God, you are my hope. I like how Isaiah says it. Those who hope in the Lord will fly like eagles. You're my hope. I'm telling you, you can trust him this morning. He's your refuge. He's your stronghold. He's your strength. He's faithful. He, he's your hope. And, and Psalm 75, verse 1. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. I love that. 
God, you are near. You have never once left me on my own. When you get to know the name of God, the names of God, who he is, it begins to transform you. So this morning, I want to encourage you, don't focus on the fear. Focus on your relationship with God. I think we just need to remember that, that, that he is always walking with us. He's there to catch us when, when things don't go as we planned. And if we focus on the obstacle or, or fear, we miss out on the opportunity to actually see God do a mighty work in our life. And we just need to be reminded that as broken and as flawed as we are, and during those times when fear just seems to be in every part of our life, this flawless God comes along and desires to use us in a mighty way. I think all of us want to have lasting impact and influence significance with our life, but it's going to be impossible if we always want to stay in those comfortable and safe spots, always avoiding risks that will often bring fear. He is near, and he is our hope, and he is our strength. So get to know who God really is. You can trust him even when there's fear. So I want to encourage you this morning. Feed your faith. Get to know God. And you'll discover that your fear begins to shrink. You can trust him this morning. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.